Welcome to the Tom Bernard Show. Tom will be here soon. I'm Bob Sansever, and I am joined by Catherine Brandt, Andy Brampardard, Cassie Schrader, and we will be right back. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. It's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? uh, Either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive continues to grow. They think it's because of their upfront pricing, no haggle or hassle sales experience, And working with one person from start to finish. I think we all know it's because of the loyal podcast listeners. I've said it a million times before. I won't endorse a company that I don't believe in, and Walzer's no exception. I've bought several cars from them, as has my family. I know what you're thinking. Tommy got some special deal. Well, the truth is we paid the Walzer best price just like everyone else. Walzer will sell about 35,000 cars this year, and you can't do that if your prices aren't great. Do yourself a favor. When it's time to shop for a new or used car, go to walzer.com and give them a shot. You won't be sorry. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. We are back with the Tom Bernard Show. As I mentioned, Tom will be here shortly or soon. Scramble for smiles today. And speaking of smiles, I'm guessing you and Tom had a nice smile on your face when you... Well, you had another addition to the family. Tell us all about it. I don't know if I'm allowed. You might be committing high treason talking about this baby. We already talked about it yesterday. (laughs) I mentioned that that the baby was coming. Yes. I think it was uh, many people not affiliated with the show were congratulating you on social media already. Uh, I think everybody thought the baby was born. uh, What what day was it? Tom sick Monday. Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. He was off the show, so I'm sure everybody thought that they the baby that. was born. And you know, and uh, yeah, I every single morning I had probably 20 people asking me if the baby was born. So I, I tried to stay out of it because you know today kids want to post everything on social media and then it's official and then you can tell everybody else. Which is dumb. <laughs> well, that's just the way. <laughs> well, as far as they know, it hasn't been talked about yet. Well, no, she does now. Oh. She said that Andy announced it. <laughs> Dad told me to. Do not throw him under the bus. <laughs> he called me and said. Oh, oh, my God. Well, that's it. We'll never see the baby again or talk to our <laughs> son-in-law or daughter. That's it. We're dead. <laughs> well, congratulations to Andy, too, on being uh, un- an uncle again. But everything is, I mean, the baby and, and, uh, and Alex are fine. Everything is everything good. Everything went just great. Really, everything went great. There was no comp- there were no complications. Everything was great. Huge baby. Well, cause are you allowed to give the weight? Because when you sent it, my thought was... I don't think I'm allowed to. I'm well, not going to say anything. Let me just say, my reaction was, how did that petite young woman... <laughs> And she was not very big. No. How does she put out a 16-pound baby? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not that big. big, But it's big. She uh, sent me a picture of Fawn, who is 21.4 pounds and holding. And will not gain any weight. She's so tiny. She's holding the baby. The baby's half her size. (laughs) Well, I have a 9-year-old who is 45 pounds. Oh, so you she, have a small oh, one, she's, too. Well, she's just, I mean, she's all, she's very active, all sinew, and she eats a lot. 
She just has not had a, that that growth spurt yeah. weight-wise. Fawn, Fawn eats constantly, but she's always on the move. So I think that, I that's, think that plays yeah, a part. I think it does, too. But, yeah, everything went absolutely great. It was much Good. more relaxed this time than the first one. Apparently, Dad also gave the weight this morning. <laughs> Quit calling him out. Alex, you'll be listening to this. What? God. <laughs> well, Alex, it's because we're all excited for you yeah. and, and, uh, and the newest member of your family. That doesn't matter. Oh, Are okay. you allowed? Well, your dad gave out the name, right? This yeah. morning. Oh, well, I don't know what to do. I'm just not going to be party to Let this me just say, high treason. I, think, I don't want to be shot at I don't think I said the name on air. I don't think I did. Maybe. No. Okay. I don't think you knew the name yesterday. Well, some people posted his name on social media Let me already. Just say, so somebody, somebody spilled the beans. I think it's probably the best name I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't go any farther than that. Well, again, congratulations to well, to all of you. And it's, I mean, yes. the most important part is to happy, healthy, to know that they're happy and they're healthy, yes. and uh, and that because uh, that alleviates quite a bit of stress. Yes, and Fawn is very happy about him, and his shoes are so cute. She was petting him and patting him, and it was like, well, so it, it, thank God. See, well, she didn't like me holding him at first. She she was had jealous. a little bit of a meltdown. How do they yeah. have they talked about? Because all right, let, I'll give you my example, and then you. Tell me if you, there's a concern. Well, yeah, you've got 45 kids. You know I everything. Have well, Mary once said to Sawyer, who's now 20, but he said this to him a while ago. Sawyer, you know, you really do have a great life. He goes, I did until I was four. That's when Spencer was born. Because yeah. <laughs> he was the baby of the family for four years. And I think they all feel that way. Oh, absolutely. The I youngest remember. one feels great until yep. another one shows up. Yep, Although think... Sam was pretty good, you know, because Sawyer was born... Within three years of her being born, and she loved being a big sister. I think, I think that Fawn will love being a big sister. I always think it's easier to have a girl first and then a boy. Yeah, because I think girls are more accepting of other siblings, whereas boys are a little bit dethroned when another one shows up. Well, when a girl is born and the boy is the first one, it's not like the boy wants to have a live dolly to play with. Yeah, <laughs> there's that. Yeah, and Alex was fairly nice to Alex. I mean, Andy was fairly nice to Alex until she was like three, and he was five. And she started talking. Then, yep. <laughs> and wanting things and all that stuff, and then you weren't too happy with her for the. Probably the rest of time. Well, I mean, obviously, I, <laughs> but from okay, from from the limited exposure, you too old because I, you know, I saw you in limited times when you were kids. You always seemed to get along fine. Oh yeah, there was no like major issues. I don't think. No major issues. Nope. Well, you tried to kill her about three times. <laughs> well, nothing major. major. I think so. Three, three, third time's the charm. <laughs> well, I've noticed like with uh, with my kids, the and I think I mentioned this yesterday. The two oldest did battle. The two sure. youngest battle. Yeah. The middle one, ping pongs between the, the ages to battle. Well, I, my brother, who was closest to me, two years, we used to fight like cats and dogs. It was terrible. My poor mother. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's different with my boys because, like, my two older boys, there's one sitting right there. They get along. It's my youngest one that's six causes all the problems between everybody because he's just... He wants to be with the bigger kids, but he's too young to be with the bigger kids. Yeah. Now, can, can he put the headphones on? Because I'd like to ask him a question, sure. if you don't mind. Do you, you want to put them on for a second? Put this Not your on. headphones, honey. <laughs> <laughs> well, introduce, tell us what your name is, or have your mom Just tell us. Put your headphones on. This is You'll be my, able to hear everything. This is my middle child. This is Charlie. Okay, Charlie, how, how are you? I'm Bob. Good. Now, here's the quiz. We talked about this yesterday. Your, your mom looks really young. Does anyone ever think it's your big sister? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> well, then she's lucky because this is, uh, you know, that Dayton uh, Mart out where you used to live? There was that gas station. It was like a, it's a date. I think it's called the Daytona Mart or yes, Dayton yes, Mart. Yes, absolutely. Okay. I went in there once and was the guy who worked there, was he, I don't know, Asian or ethnic or. There was a guy there. I don't know if I, I mean. I never go into gas stations. Tom would be the one to ask because he goes well, in all the time to buy sodas. This goes back. <laughs> this was like six or so, years or so, or maybe a little bit more. I went in with my son Sawyer, who was would have been about thirteen, and I said, "I went." And I, he said, "Are you ready?" I said, "No, I'm waiting for my son." He comes up and he looks at him. He goes, "You know your son." I said, <laughs> "I said, well, yeah, he is." He goes, "Oh no, grandson." I said, no, he's my son. Oh, thank you very much. He's your (laughs) grandson. And then my daughter, uh, Sienna, who is nine, this would have been when she got her last flu shot. 
the hell we went through to get her a flu shot. She hates them. So I promised to get her whatever she wanted. Well, she wanted a stuffed plush toy. So we go and get it, and we check out, and she comes up, and uh, this time I was ready. The guy goes, isn't it nice what Grandpa got you? And I say, excuse me, I'm her great-grandfather. <laughs> Thankfully, that surprised him. That, oh, you look pretty young for a great-grandfather. I just accept it. It even goes back to when Mary and I, before any kids were born, she would have been in her mid to the late 20s. I was still in my 30s. And we went shopping with our first foster child who was 13. I'm sitting there in, you know, in this clothing store and the woman goes, well, can I help you? I said, no, I'm waiting for those two you know, gals over there. And she goes, well, I'll let your, uh, your daughter and your granddaughter know you're waiting. I wasn't even 40 yet. And they thought that I was, <laughs> I've you, always looked you like gray, this. Did you gray early? No. Okay. Cause I, I just have always looked, I guess, haggard. I remember, <laughs> I remember, well, you've got all those kids. You're definitely going to look haggard. Yeah. I remember Andy and Alex, every time they saw anybody with gray hair, they'd call, they'd say that grandpa over there or that grandma. And I'm like, well, okay, do I, <laughs> let me ask you, because you mentioned it, am I real gray now? I know I have no, gray. Not, I mean, you're gray, but not like gray, gray. Because, you know, some people are like prematurely gray. Passold as an example. I think he I think he dyed his hair gray to look older for TV <laughs> when he was in his 30s. Tom, Tom grayed super early. Yep. So, super early. But the way I look at it is I still have hair, so I'm happy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, some people gray out and don't gray have a not, chance to. Yeah, yeah, at least I didn't go bald and gray at the same time. Yeah. So it's, uh, but, true. but anyway, it's, I've always felt that, my God, why do they think I'm that old? And I showed a picture to my wife of a guy, when, it's, sadly, he, he passed away, he had a few strokes, and they, they were, his wife put pictures up, and honestly, he looked like he was in his mid-80s, you know, the photo that, because he had two little kids on his lap, probably his oh. grandchildren, I said, please tell me I don't look this old, <laughs> and usually, my, like you, my wife is brutally honest. <laughs> she doesn't hold back, so I knew I'd get that brutal. Oh, honesty. I hold back, believe it or not. Oh, you do. <laughs> believe it or not, I hold back a lot. <laughs> There's way more stuff in there that does not, that does come, not out. come out. Does not come out. I'm editing all the time. <laughs> now I, I gotta. I need to ask you this, this because Tom he talks about you a lot, like in the early morning. And I've said a few times, well, I guess the missus isn't up yet, eh? Yeah, like I don't know what he's I, What saying. I'm saying is you probably hear about it from your friends, right? I do. Right? I absolutely hear all But he never stuff. says anything that's too upset you, I'm sure, because he's... I'm sure. <laughs> People are texting Catherine transcripts of the exactly. KQ Morning Show. He's real tough when I'm not around. <laughs> we all it's talk... It's like a Twitter troll. Yeah, well, we all talk tough when you're not around. Oh, speaking of... You, I put something out on Twitter yesterday. Today. And the question I asked was, I'm I said, I'm taking a poll, and it was, who has more vitriol and hatred? Is it people who use their real name or the cowards who hide behind, you know, these fake made-up names because they're too they, – they, it's easy to talk tough when you have anonymity. It's obviously overwhelming. I did it for a point. Absolutely. But it, th that's the biggest problem. They should make you – whether it's – you could call yourself, you know – I don't know if you were golfer, the duffer, but you better have your real name somewhere on it. I'm surprised these social media sites don't enforce that. Oh, social It'll media sites eventually. are. are, are uh, I think so run too. Facebook and Twitter, they're all, I mean, they're, they get away with a lot. Well, celebrities get away with, like, you know, De Niro and Chelsea Handler, but these are people who are just nondescript and anonymous, and, but they're, they're very <laughs> tough when nobody knows who you are. I've always just used my own name, and I just, you know, I, but it's amazing. You can put on social media. I like kitties, and it'll be like, oh, oh, have a oh so you're a dog hater? Exactly. Yeah, you can't win. You just no, can't win. No, there is win. no way to win. No. The sky is blue. Oh, what's the matter? You don't like a nice, cloudy day? Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter what you say. They're going to come and attack you. Do you suffer you. from depression? It's like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just, a, it, it's, you know, it, it's an endless stream, and it's uh, it does de depress the heck out of you. Now, did you get a chance to... I only ask this because, to me, it's one of the strangest, dumbest stories that I've seen. Did you get to enjoy the hashtag NPR raccoon, or were you too wrapped up having a grandchild? No, I don't even know what you're talking about. Good. Why? This became a huge story locally, <laughs> and it became like when a was national. This? this was yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. Two days ago. I totally, yeah. I totally was busy yesterday. Apparently, some raccoon climbed up the side of the NPR building, and it be everyone was fascinated what would happen to this rodent. <clears throat> I think they should have just shot it. <laughs> that would have been the end of it. But I'm so amazed. So what? A raccoon? Yeah, what? Thank you. 
So this is this oh, was, was a trending like, moment in was, Minneapolis. Yeah, like the thirteenth we story or something. No, it went even higher. It went like to the it's a twenty story building, the NPR building. I think it was just a way for them to get the pledge drive going. I you know, can't. to get and now by the way, NPR apparently is now selling T shirts and mugs. Of course, they it, are. it's a money maker for them. About a raccoon walking up the building. Yes. <laughs> I'm on Twitter and I'm just seeing what people um, have been saying because they hashtag hashtag it. MPR raccoon and they have it where um I believe this was the shot that they took in the war room when Obama was president and they were getting Osama bin Laden mm-hmm. so they have that picture and it says the whole let's see the whole of Twitter watching to see if the MPR raccoon gets down safely I mean people are having fun with this yeah <laughs> I mean well, there's pictures of this thing literally it looks like one of those suction cup Animals that you'd stick on your window, and he's, like, stuck to the side of the building. Oh, I mean, that's just... all he's doing. He's not doing anything cute. Oh, no. he People just... have been taking pictures from their oh. office windows. He'd be on the ledge in the window just looking at people. Oh, and... okay. Yeah. Well, that makes sense then. Yeah, but then he would climb up even <laughs> higher. And well, then... I did follow the uh, roof fox. <laughs> roof fox? The roof fox. I missed that one. Oh, you... that one was actually pretty cute. I'll tell you what. <laughs> you let the... They had the raccoon climb to the roof, but the fox was there. It was taking care of everything. <laughs> now, this was a fox just walked up the fire escape, and people were on their rooftop. In, is this a, uh, in London. Oh, I did see that. And, and, the, and the fox just laid down on a blanket. <laughs> And enjoyed the afternoon. Well, it's tiring climbing <laughs> up the side of a building. It was actually pretty cute. The funny thing, the raccoon was caught, and I think they let it out in the woods. I, I heard Eden Prairie, but put in the wild, probably eaten by a coyote last night. Oh, hopefully. So I'm surprised they didn't try to do, you know, somebody didn't want to adopt the darn thing. Yeah, we've got a, are we on, are we going to stay on rodents for a while? I have a, we have a giant possum around well, our neighborhood that what we should do is, is take a maybe take a, yeah. a, a quick break and come back right. and we'll do a rodent <laughs> <laughs> rodent segment. talk we'll just be a first in the top of our show yes rodent segment yes. yeah i think we need to get some type of sponsor for pest, pest control, control. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we seem to talk about it quite a bit but all right well, well with the tom bernard show and tom i assure you he uh, he is due in today he'll come in at some right. point he will be in and uh, yes. so you want to put up with me much longer but we're going to take a <laughs> Quick break, and the Tom Bernard Show will be right back. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company? A better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Did you know that about 60% of people over the age of 60 are starting to experience cloudy, blurry, or dim vision due to cataracts? Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Whiting Clinic is best known for their fabulous LASIK results. You've heard me rave about them for years, but did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed, and I'm here to tell you about my wonderful experience having cataract surgery at Whiting Clinic. I'm at that age when my vision started to fade, so I called up the folks at Whiting Clinic. They helped me out right away. My cataract surgery was super easy, and thanks to the Whiting Clinic, my vision is top-notch once again. Whiting Clinic has the most advanced lens technology options, so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you want to learn more about your options for cataract surgery or clearer vision, attend one of Whiting Clinic's cataract seminars. Call Whiting Clinic at 855-554-2020 to RSVP today. That's 855-554-2020 to learn more about your cataract surgery options at Whiting Clinic. Is this rodent music? It's muskrat love. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only rodent song I know. Uh, Michael Jackson did one about a rat. Well, three blind mice. Ben. Ben. What about three blind mice? Well, I don't know if that is good bumper right. music or not. <laughs> All right, the Tom Bernard Show. Welcome back to the Tom Bernard Show. Now, Catherine was going to tell us. You have, and you, when we broke, you put your arms about as wide as they could go. The, the thing is the enormous. Most enormous 
possum I've ever seen in my life. It's gigantic. I don't know if that's a daddy one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's a mommy one that have little babies. Yes, could be. I didn't see. I think the babies climb on top of the possums, right? Yep. And they hold on. Oh, but okay. I didn't see any babies. Well, she may not have given birth yet. But Tom had been talking. He, he said to me a, a few weeks ago, he had seen the possum. He came outside and it stared at him, and he was like, he was going to go outside, and he saw the possum staring at him. So he just backed back into the house and shut the door because he didn't know what to do. And I don't know if you can shoo those things away, or they just freeze, well, right? Like a fainting goat kind of thing? I believe you can shoo them or shoot them. Well, yeah, didn't... they won't attack you or anything. They won't? Nope. The only thing, my concern about animals like that, you never know if they rabbit or not. Yeah, yeah, unless it's rabbit, then it might attack you. Yeah. Well, that's, I guess, why he backed into the house yes. and just shut the door and went out the other way. Um, but he started, I don't know, he must have talked about the possum on the morning show, and he found out that they eat ticks like crazy. Because they get on their bodies, and then they just pick them off, and now they're immune to Lyme disease. So I'm like, I'm going to leave the possum alone. Well, if they could take care of ticks, the exactly. It's the only I'll, thing. I'll go import more possums so I don't have ticks. Well, I you, hate you, those things. You know, you hear about people who they, they they hate snakes or there's something. We have about 30 acres of woods on our property. So I won't ticks. go in throughout the summer. I only go in in the fall when I think the first frost has come. Because I've been I've gone horseback riding when we lived in Orono in uh, Baker Park. Mm-hmm. I pulled like 20 ticks off myself from my jacket. Oh. Oh, because they just dro- – Off I, your jacket? Yeah, they were on my jacket and some How of them – How do they get on your jacket? They just fell onto my jacket. See, out now, of the trees. I was told that they don't ever come down from trees, that they're always on grass no. with their little icky hands, their little grabby hands, and they grab on and they climb up. No, they're, they, they, they would not have like dropped down onto the horse, climbed up his leg, climbed up my back. These yeah. things fell on me. There's no question. Ugh. Yeah, They're I, so oh, I hate disgusting. Them. And the, the problem is with the Lyme. The, my understanding is the deer ticks, which is what bring Lyme disease. Some of them you can't even see. They're no, not they're like, tiny. You want the tick that looks, you know, that just gets big and bulbous from sucking your blood. They're not going to hurt you. <laughs> it's the little ones you can't see that'll do the damage. Yes. And yeah, you don't know yeah, until after you have the target. Yeah, because it's the deer tick, right? Yeah, the deer tick. And That's they're the tiny. That's the one that gives you Lyme disease. Yes. Yeah. And they're, I don't know if they're microscopic, but they're so small, you don't see them. They're very small. And you need to get them off of you within something like 24 hours, and, and then you most likely won't get Lyme? Yeah, you have to get them off you quick before. I, I think I, I mentioned during the break, Mary had it. She had the, I guess, the, the target on her. and The a, bullseye rash. The bullseye. And then a few weeks late, within a few weeks, I had what looked like was starting one. So I just called the doctor, and he put me on the same regimen, and it was, you know, it never developed on me. And this was, we were not living at the farm. We were, we were renting a place, and she had gone, and I probably did too, down to the water because it was on a lake. And it was high grass. They were probably all were there because we didn't have a possum there. Yeah, and you need a possum. You need a nice family of possums. You should grow some over at your house. You can get well, everything else. Well, as I mentioned, we have the uh, we have the guinea hens, we have Muscovy ducks, and we have chickens. And the only reason we have guinea hens, which are the most annoying, ugly looking birds ever, Aren't is those to those kill the ticks. Black and white. Chicken no, things? they have the long necks. Muscovy ducks are the ones with the red crap on their face. No, he's talking about <laughs> guinea hens. The guinea hens. Oh. They're the real tick killers. They're oh. great for, ticks, for tick control. Are the... They're also stupid because they'll wander everywhere. Well, yeah. <laughs> like across. The... They can fly, yet they walk across streets. <laughs> if I could if fly, you could already I... explain to them. <laughs> I ain't walking anywhere if I could fly. God gave you wings for a reason. Yeah, exactly. You stupid, you... stupid bird. No, as long as they... they're so stupid, they stay on the ground and they eat ticks. I, you'd think there'd be something a little tastier than a tick. Um, who knows? On the possum's point too. Why? There's got to be something better. Well, I don't think I don't think they're looking for them. It's just when they get oh, them they, on they their body, yeah. they're, on them. And they're pulling got, them off. Possums have those real. They have the great little. Yeah, don't they have claws. like an opposable thumb almost, like a raccoon kind of like? I think so. Yeah, so they're they're good at pulling things off. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm all for it. Well, I, like, I hate them so much. And you know, if you don't want to get. Th- Go through that uh, antibiotic protocol because that's pretty it's heavy. Stro- it's that's a heavy duty, really nasty yeah. stuff, right? Well, you can it, bring it, in the tick and they can test that for it, for it. Or you can bring in the bullseye that's on you, and that's pretty indicative because it was uh, there was no tick on her when she uh, it that, had already formed. Okay, so you only get that when you have a Lyme tick, right? Not just any tick. No. Bite. Okay. No, no. This was that's, this there was Lyme disease the, that they were treated uh, okay. for, right. and unfortunately. 
and there may be you know the, the listeners who've had Lyme disease, and it was Lyme disease. If you have it, is often misdiagnosed as something else, and you you can have it, and it, it if untreated, it could do damage to your organs. I mean, to your liver. It could affect your heart. Absolutely. It could affect many, you know, well, every organ you have if it if it's left untreated for too long a period of time. And I know people have been misdiagnosed with it who've had issues. You know, it's so weird because, I mean, if you live in a wooded area. You just know, assume you're going to get it. Yeah, well, wouldn't that be just one of the first things they test for? Yes. But see, but some people, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, some people get it just at, at, at a lake or they, they don't think in terms of, or just outside. There's well, ticks just everywhere. just a doctor. It's like, are you ever outdoors? Well, then yeah. let's just test for lines. Yeah. I mean, well, there's actually a really good documentary. Dave just mentioned, they were talking about it on Midnight in the Desert last night. It's called Under Our Skin. And it's the, basically um, the misdiagnosis of Lyme's disease. And a lot of people, like... There's like some doc. There's some doctors that know how to treat it properly, but they are fighting with uh, medical boards and all this stuff because they there's because people go into a doctor's office and they say their symptoms and they're like, can you test for Lyme's disease? And some of these doctors they just won't do it. Why? I, I don't know. I it's, it's just a blood test. Yes. And well, and sometimes they're not showing up properly. You actually really, if you feel like you have Lyme's disease, you need to go to a Lyme's disease Specialist. literate doctor that understands the disease. Because a lot of times it does get mis- misdiagnosed as <sighs> fibromyalgia or, um, you know, some. Because a lot of the, depending on how long you've had the Lyme's disease. You know, certain symptoms, you might just be presenting one symptom, like chronic migraines or aches and pains. And then as the disease progresses, that's when you start getting a lot of the organ you know, failures. Well, I, I yeah, come in the house. And multiple symptoms. Certainly yeah. in the summer, and it drives my wife, Mary, nuts. I, like, rip off my shirt because I'm itchy. Is there a tick? Because I... <laughs> And she hates her. She doesn't even look. I said, you didn't look. She doesn't. You need a three-way mirror, Bob. She just tells me. Like, <laughs> Come I need in something. Because I, I, I mean, again, I'm just, uh, I, but I have to, what I have to realize is uh, the big ticks are the better ticks because they're not going to bring the Lyme <laughs> they're disease. They're the happy good ticks. They're the happy good ticks, even though those are the ones that, you know, I find. You're not going to, generally, you're not going to see the little, now, I, mean, I don't know if you looked it up, but. Do they they are microscopic, right? The uh, deer tick, the deer ticks. They're well, not big at all. My dog has it. Tiny. My dog has it, and I do tick checks on him every single day, and I never saw that tick. The deer mm-hmm. tick. The deer you tick. may not though, because mm-hmm. the dog's got a lot of hair. I mean, you may see the other yeah. ones. Right. Exactly. So yeah, the... I've I've pulled ticks off of him, but this one escaped my my check. Well, I, I took a tick off a horse a couple of weeks ago. It was not at our place. It was we we don't find ticks on our horses that much. Again, we're thanks to the guinea hens. I'm saying, but. I felt it, and I said to Mary, I said, this thing might have a tumor. Oh, it was, I mean, it was like this so fat. They're so gross. It was I can't unbelie- even. It was like, see this <laughs> I thing? I can't even. See that thing on the microphone, that little head I've, cover? I've, That's how big it I've seemed like it was. I've many a great big gross tick in my life. In your I day. hate them a tick, so it, A much. deer tick is about the size of one of the letters on a dime. You know, like how it says one dime on the yeah. bottom? That's about how big they are. Oh, that's pretty tiny. Yeah, it's, yes. it's, it's you have very... a big, you know, you have a hairy dog. Yep. Yeah, and you yeah. mentioned, uh, you know, your husband, the darkness radio that he does. My, mm-hmm. When you said that, my thought was, I don't want to accelerate it, but one of the good things about being a ghost is no ticks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think there's a ghost tick that attaches itself. Well, I, I know in Minnesota anyway, and I don't know about other climates, whatever. But our worst tick part of the year is May and June. Mm-hmm. So and we're then in they the kind of die of off. Yeah. But May, early, early May, like as soon as the snow melts, they're out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like they go dormant. You know, you'd think with these winters so we gross. have, it would kill everything. Right. <laughs> but it doesn't. This is going to be, I, I don't know if any of you saw it, and I'll explain why. Did you ever see a movie from the 50s called Forbidden Planet? Mm, it was no, okay. I'm sure Tom has. It was some strange being that would attack him, and they put like a a force field around so it couldn't get in the force field. We had, um, and you know, the Smile, ne- Smile Network is a great organization. Yes. So we had donated a morel hunt, and they wound up oh, giving nice. away two of them, or they sold two of them, which was great. And but one of the groups it was a group of I think eight or nine people came out. And I helped uh, Kim Valentini, who started and runs it and does a great job with it. 
uh, set everything up. But we have an entrance to our woods, and I made sure they all sprayed themselves. But it was like this force field. I would not go beyond the beginning of the entrance because to me that was tick land. Because <laughs> I was, I just I, again, I had the hat on. I, I was sprayed. I just don't want to. I, I I I will take those. You know, remember. Um, uh, in Indiana Jones, deathly afraid of snakes. Yes, mm-hmm. I'll roll in snakes before I'll, <laughs> before I would you know take a chance having a few ticks on me. I just I don't know what it is about them. I just hate them. I know. Well, they're, they're just such a pain. I mean, they're every you can't. I mean, they're everywhere or you can't see they're blood them. Yes. yes, I mean they're just a pain. You know, well, other insects too. I mean, I have issues with ants and <laughs> I have issues. I know. It's just. <laughs> You know, you would think you guys go dormant all winter long. Why do you need to be in my house in the summertime? Be outside. Enjoy the weather. Don't come in my house. It's I had to spray ant control all over because um, in south of the river, we live in Apple Valley, the soil is really sandy. So every time it rains, all the ants want to come inside because it just starts flooding. And you know what that means? Sand fleas. Ugh. You have those too. Yeah, well, this is a fascinating topic. Oh, I know. Insects. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm getting grossed out. But yeah, I'll, uh, I'll post a link to that documentary. It was Yuck. really... Then I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll switch it briefly. There's yes. a story out I'm getting, there. I'm getting like creepy crawly about, feeling everywhere. <laughs> this is one that, uh, that Dave may want to talk about. There's a, they call, claim it's a psychic cat in Russia. And they, it, it picks winners. So they uh, for the lottery or no? What? They picked it picked winners Why of the for the World Cup or for a big you know oh. a big soccer match. Oh, okay. Saudi Arabia was playing Russia, and they put <laughs> I, we did this with actually our pig piggy once when I was on the when we were doing the ticket to pick the, whether the Vikings would win or not. But the dog or the cat went to the bowl, the Russia bowl. Could you imagine if that cat went to Saudi Arabia? You won't hear from him no more. (laughs) Could you imagine if the cat picked the wrong bowl in Russia? How that would go? No, they're not very nice over there. And if they did that in North Korea, kid would have just had it shot on the spot. That would have been the end of it. How about, by the way, and I don't, I'm not going to go political, but it's just uh, two things about Trump that he said were interesting. One is he, uh, he said about the remain. It's great if the remains of of fallen Korean War veterans could be sent back home, but his comment was, he, when he was on the campaign oh, trail, was that part of his negotiation? Well, that was part of the things that they discussed. Well, they that they haven't would been do. sending them back. No, which I didn't know. I didn't know that but either. But they they've had no real, you know, relationship with us. Oh, that's true. So, but he said uh, he ran into parents of Korean War, uh, fallen Korean War veterans that uh, asked to have the remains back and someone pointed out the youngest one could be is about 101 oh that's a parent of a korean war veteran i mean maybe late 90s and how would you trust that they well the point is it was another example of people saying trump lying but my feeling on it is all politics well I won't say most or many lie the problem is trump was a known liar before he became president Yes. I mean, he would. He lied to me. I've told that story about uh, when I interviewed him with the USFL, and it wasn't. He had an alter ego named. Um, well, oh, that's right. Yeah. What was that? John Barron. Yeah. Well, I called because Donald Trump did not want to pay a guy named Doug Flutie a quarterback. He didn't want to pay the right. full amount. I remember right? him. Yeah. So John Barron, it wouldn't, Flutie wouldn't do it. So, he, or excuse me, Trump wouldn't do it. So you had John Barron shred Flutie and the rest of the league. So I called him. And I, I actually asked for Donald, and they transferred me to John Barron. As we're talking, I go, you know, John, you sound an awful lot like Donald. Well, we went to school together and had the same inflections. <laughs> and very quickly, I called back the next day. I got three different spellings of Barron. No one really knew how long he'd been with them. And at one point, his, num- his uh, Barron secretary said, uh, when I asked the question, well, what did Donald tell you? I said, I didn't talk to Donald. I talked to John. Oh, yeah, John. What did John tell you? It, it was him. There's no doubt it was because it's already he's been exposed for that in the past. But my point is he has done it. But money politicians, you don't know when they're lying because you don't know anything about them before they no. become politicians. No, and don't. we, by the way, we're going to take a quick break. Come right back. We have Phil Proctor joining yep. us mm-hmm. in a moment. The Tom Bernard Show will be right back. Just like all of you, I had been hearing about my pillow and was skeptical that it was as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first my pillow and I love it. It's very comfortable, stays in that same exact position all night. Fantastic. Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, has a very special offer for Tom Bernard Show listeners. 
MyPillow is offering more than 50% off his four-pack special, which includes two premium MyPillows and two go-anywhere pillows. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first MyPillow. If you already know how great the MyPillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146, use promo code TOM, or go to MyPillow.com. But make sure you use promo code TOM. Call 800-516-5146 and use promo code TOM. That's 800-516-5146, promo code TOM. This is Tom, and I want to tell you a story about camping. A guy named Tim, his back pain, and his angry wife. You see, Tim went camping with his family, but he aggravated his recurring back problem a couple of days before when he was golfing with his buddies. His wife had to set up the campsite and do all the heavy lifting, and Tim couldn't do a whole lot with the two kids. Tim was not a happy camper. And neither was his wife. The following Monday, Tim's wife got him an appointment at Hopkins Health and Wellness Center, a DMR method clinic. Their team of physical therapists and chiropractors figured out what was really wrong with his back, quickly got him out of pain, and taught him how to keep it from coming back. And what did Tim say was the biggest benefit of finally handling his back problem? Happy wife, happy life. DMR clinics are a group of physical therapists, chiropractors, and allied medical spine specialists that can help you feel better fast. They have a 96% success rate. It's covered by insurance, and you don't need a referral. They have convenient locations in Hopkins, Woodbury, Rogers, and Blaine. For a free consultation, go to dmrmethod.com. That's dmrmethod.com. Another one bites the butt. (laughs) (laughs) I thought we were done with TikTok. We are back. The Tom Bernard Show. Tom will be in soon. I'm Bob Sansevier. And, well, Catherine is here. Andy is here. Cassie and her son, Charlie, is here. Yes. How old are you, Charlie? Oh, you don't have to tell me. Your mom can. Uh, He's 11. You look like a tall boy for 11. He is. He's he's taller than me. You're not petite like your mom. No. That's good for a boy. And uh, we are joined... Oh, by yep. Phil Proctor. By Phil Proctor. Yes, we are. Um, well, and- actually, friends, this is Rocky Rococo. I am, I am the <laughs> depressed agent for Mr. Proctor, and I was hoping to talk to Mr. Tim Barnyard uh, about a, 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 a podcast. Podcast. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Rocky, Rocky well, let me let me take it over. I'm sorry. No, but right. I'm going to talk to you. No, no, I'll, I'll, I'll take. I'm sorry. <laughs> Rocky, Rocky does have a tendency to to try to you know to take things over, but uh, this is really the real Phil Proctor. Phil, thanks for joining us. And Cassie is actually going to give people all the information about you yeah, for Tom those. Is, he's doing a charity thing. He'll be back, but maybe not by the end of this segment with you. Yes. Well, Phil, okay. I know we. It's had... All right. He's out. He's out doing good things. He yes. is. Yeah, I know we had you on for your book, Where's My Fortune Cookie, uh, My Psychic Cyrillic Story, but right. you have mm-hmm. created a podcast now based off that book. Now, is it more like an audio book format, or do you just tell stories out of your book? No, actually, uh, it is uh, me reading the stories from my book, okay. but I'm doing it in my own voice, and we're, uh, we're peppering it with sound effects and music and other in, in, uh, enhancements of the book so that it's more than just your normal narrative uh, audio book. It was originally recorded for the podcast, but it will be released in September as an audio book. Okay, so it, will, it has a, like a, a two-punch thing that's going on. But I was in uh, Kansas City, Missouri last week at the Here Now Audio Festival, which was a wonderful four-day festival over the weekend there. And we uh, actually, they, they had a, a day at the Cinemark Theater where they honored my career with Fireside Theater and all the voiceover stuff I've done, you know, Howard and the Rugrats and the Drunken French Monkey and the Dr. Doolittle movies and all kinds of gay villains and stuff. And we actually uh, launched the podcast from uh, Kansas City. It's on podbean.com, podbean.com, if you wish to hear the first episode. And on Friday, the second episode will be uh, read. And what was interesting about it, I can say, was uh, when I recorded this down in this little studio in Brooklyn about three months ago, uh, as I was reading my own book, I would find certain factual errors (laughs) <laughs> that had slipped by uh, the copywriter, okay, uh, a corrector, I should say. And so you will hear a an absolutely correct version, well, as correct as my poor old mind can make it, of the events that transpired up to now in my life, many of which, as you pointed out, are very psychic and surreal and, and amazing, 
you know, uh, so uh, if we can talk a little bit about that if you'd like. Well, that, that'd be great. And Phil, you also, you seem to have a lot more fun than a lot of authors. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not an author, really. I'm a writer, and there is, there is a difference. Uh, my career started when I was nine years old. I've been in show business for over 65 years. Wow. I was doing a live a television show in New York called Uncle Danny Reads the Funnies. And, and we were called upon as kids to improvise along with Danny, who would be reading the daily news uh, comics, Dick Tracy and <clears throat> pardon me, Little Orphan Annie and things like that. So I actually got uh, cut my teeth even before they were fully grown into my mouth uh, doing improv comedy on live television. So writing became kind of second nature to me uh, as, as a part of this um, uh, listening to my muse. You know, uh, often when I write, I speak out loud so that I can hear the rhythms of what I'm, what I'm putting down on the paper. And that makes it, I think, more entertaining, certainly for me and hopefully for the readers as well. Well, I got to because I took a look and I, I'm going to make the leap that your Wikipedia page has some accuracy. I was a huge fan of All in a Family, but All in a Family didn't often have guests on it. What, what, yeah, what did you play? Kind of what, did, what, well, but, but you're but they right. were regular what guests they like Stretch Cunningham. They, they would, they'd bring guests on with the, the hope that they could become like recurring characters, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, In my case, uh, I played Wendell Hornsby, a uh, cousin of Archie's, and I was going to in- cancel his insurance because some colored folk had moved in next door. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. It was the Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> one shot. <laughs> but, but it was a remarkable experience because one of the wonderful things about doing that show, besides the fact that you, you knew you were doing something that was socially uh, uh, groundbreaking and, and pertinent and honest, uh, was that we as actors on the show did have an opportunity to rewrite our lines, you know, and to form our, um, our characters uh, in, in conjunction with the writers who would be there when we were rehearsing uh, the early scenes and everything. So it was a very cooperative show. And that's been my philosophy about the business for my entire life, from, from doing Broadway to uh, television guest stars to, to movies and uh, later uh, you know, recordings and radio and all that stuff. Uh, I've always emphasized the fact that we are one big family working together to make a, an ultimate product that will be pleasing to the people. And that's and so it is. It's a family to me, a very cooperative and not a cutthroat business. Now you've obviously you've done as you mentioned a lot of voice work on uh, a lot of movies. Is there one that you that is your favorite? Maybe it was the one you had to shove aside when you first came on. But is there one that you really liked best of all? Well, you know that's a very difficult question because uh, one of the wonderful things about doing uh, adding additional voices to films and television. Uh, because of my ability to speak many languages oh. and to speak in different dialects and kinds, you know, stuff like that, Russian or whatever you want, uh, <laughs> it has led me to, to do an enormous variety of, of films. And, and, of course, every one of them has its own particular challenge because, you know, if it's a very expensive movie, like the Die Hard series that I, that I worked in, uh, they are, they're, they're, every little detail in the uh, in voicing the characters on screen has to be uh, worked on. So somebody will maybe spend two weeks on a movie. But I think in terms of the characters that I've been allowed to do, I would say that the drunken French monkey in the Dr. Doolittle movies, <laughs> about me, I'm a social drinker, uh, is most fun for me because I got to do five of them, all right? And, and it was a very nice franchise uh, for me to, to be able to, you know, create a character. Also, Dr. Vidic in the game Assassin's Creed was a part that I returned to over a four-year period. And those kinds of roles, to me, are more fun because uh, it's a character that I've created in conjunction with the director, of course, and the writers, and then that character has a life over the length of the game and the inventiveness of, you know, of the writers in the future. So that's what I enjoy the most. Well, there are – I'm sorry, please. I just have a question. I mean, I, I always find it fascinating with these you know, voice actors that have been doing this for so long. If you have a character that you haven't done in you know, six, seven, eight, ten years or something, do you need to listen to it again to get it down, or is it just always just right there? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and many people – 
uh, uh, people who've been in the business even longer than I. Well, I, I can't say longer, but people who have, have been more active in the business than I have, uh, for instance, they sometimes carry around little tape recorders, or they did in the old days, little tape cassette recorders with the, the character, character's voice on it. But if you don't have that luxury, they play the character's voice for you, mm-hmm. and, okay. you get, and you get it back in your head. I remember I did uh, the voice of an elephant in the Tarzan, the Disney Tarzan movie. <laughs> uh, and the that they choose you to do these voices is that there'd be like a group of, say, 12 of us crazy people uh, with improvisationary skills. And you go into the studio, and they, they show you like a, a sketch of the character. And they say, okay, you, Phil, you and Roger, uh, what, uh, you, you, tell me what you think this character sounds like. And we'd both give a reading. They say, okay, Phil, you'll do this character. So you do the character from maybe a sketch uh, on the screen, rough, rough drawings on the screen. And then you come back six months later, and there's your character. There's your elephant, and he's talking in your voice. Well, that's all fine and good. Then I went to the, uh, the cast and, and crew screening of Tarzan, which is a big deal at the El Capitan Theater in Hollywood, you know, red carpet, real fun, and blah, blah, blah. And my character comes on the screen for the first time and is speaking, and I say, oh, my God, it's not me. They must have replaced me. That's not my voice. <laughs> And I was kind of, you know, depressed, but I yeah. hit it. And, you know, <laughs> this is great. Was great. <laughs> then I, I bought a, a VHS for those children out there who don't know what that is. It's like a little box with tape in it that has <laughs> images on it. All right? And I put it into my VHS player, where that's a little machine where you put the box in and it would play the tape and then you'd watch it on it. Anyway, and I, and I heard my voice, and it was my voice. Oh. What had happened was that that beautiful theater was so huge, I had never heard it on all these, you know, these giant oh. speakers echoing through this voluminous mm. uh, building. So my voice was even more amplified, and it, and it didn't even sound like me. But that's, that's also because, as you rightly pointed out, you, you kind of lose the connection yeah. between your creation and the actual voice uh, that you've made be over time. Because, you, especially in my case, I'd be busy doing other voices right. for other films, and it would become just part of the past. Uh, you know, until I heard it again. Well, so, does that kind of explain it to you? Totally. Thank you. It's great. Good. Now, Phil, you were born more than three decades after Mel Blanc. Did that have an influence on you? Did you Did you say at one point, boy, I want to do that? I mean, how did you get into that voiceover business for for voices? Well, as you may know, certainly you'll know if you get the book, Where's My Fortune Cookie, available at Amazon.com, Good by the way, uh, or you listen to my podcast. I was born in Goshen, Indiana. Uh, and I, I'm of Amish and Irish ancestry, which I think gave me, a, gave me a head start right from the beginning. Because when I was a child, although we were not in the Amish community anymore, my great-grandmother, Guinness, only spoke Pennsylvania Deutsch, which is Schweizer Deutsch from Switzerland. Right. So I, I grew as a baby. I heard another language around me. And my grandfather, when I was about, I don't know, maybe... Uh, nine months old or something, was uh, uh, singing a hymn to me to put me to sleep, which hymns tend to do, by the way. Uh, And I hummed it back to him. And he was so amazed that he brought me downstairs and I I hummed it again for for my, my family. And that, by the way, is the last time I ever worked for free. Okay. <laughs> but, but I was born with this uh, amazing God-given ability to be able to hear music and, and sing and repeat and harmonies. And, and, and then languages and dialects came naturally out of that as well. Right, so My jealous. entire family, would, there was always music and singing and harmony uh, around me. So that, that, I think, was why I got that peculiar gift and was able to exploit it. But I never set out, even though, of course, I love the cartoons and I love Mel Blanc and, and all those, you know, the creativity. And, and my, my favorite heroes on the radio were Bob and Ray, who did all kinds of silly voices. And on television, Ernie Kovacs, you know, and the Mad Magazine, all these, these things. But voice-wise, uh, I knew that, um, uh, particularly for Bob and Ray, that you could become different characters in order to convey different ideas. And that really appealed to me. Well, you, you mentioned you, you mentioned <laughs> yeah, some, I have to clear yeah, my old throat. You had like an Amish background. Do you have a disdain for buttons and zippers? To this yeah, day? certainly zippers. <laughs> I think they're very dangerous. Right? So, so I usually, I prefer the buttons. Now, you know where that all came from, no. don't you? No. Okay. I... The Amish are Anabaptists, 
And what happened was that in Palatine, Germany, there was one of those horrible wars, one of those terrible religious wars that went on for a hundred years, and it completely destroyed the beautiful farmland that all these people worked at, worked on. And also, the, um, they were, they're called Anabaptists because they would not allow their children to be baptized into a state religion without their consent. Okay, yeah. so the, the reason why they disdained buttons is that buttons were on military uniforms. Oh, oh I thought they were too flashy. Right. Oh, so this is part of the anti-war fervor that that, that they uh, espouse to this very day. They're that's, pacifists. That's very interesting. Oh, I, I had no idea. Me neither. And that, yep. uh, yeah, because those hooks could be tricky. So, <laughs> Phil, give us again. Now, you can get it on Amazon. Is it available? Is there a website that you have that people can also reach out and, and order the book to? Uh, from Sure, the- thank you. You can go to planetproctor.com, or you can go to the fi- to firesigntheater.com, and you'll find all kinds of wonderful books and CDs and DVDs that we have been uh, releasing. And, uh, and I, I'm very happy to be able to announce to you now uh, that the Library of Congress just purchased the Firesign Theater archives Wonderful. for half a million dollars. Whoa, oh, that's great! You're rolling Whoa. in dough. You're rolling what a in great buttons. payoff. You know, uh, many years ago, I guess about six or seven years ago now, they inducted one of our most famous albums, "Don't Crush That Dwarf." Hand me the pliers. <laughs> into the historical or hysterical recordings, right? And and uh, and they basically were saying that we had a cultural influence on not only comedy but on uh, society in general, and which we were very honored. They flew us down to Washington, and there was a ceremony, a press conference, a nice luncheon, a secret tour of the Library of Congress. But then, uh, back in September. David Osman and I, who are the last remaining members of our four-man comedy group, the Firesign Theater, all of us being fire signs, I'm a Leo, David's a Sagittarian, Peter Bergman was a Sagittarian, and Phil Austin was an Aries. Uh, we were invited down for a command performance on the stage of the Coolidge Theater in the Library of Congress, a beautiful, beautiful auditorium. And we did a piece called The Art of Radio, and that was when they announced that they were going to be purchasing our archives. And that is being like finalized as as we speak. That's so that's I'm very proud to be able to share that with you. That's well, Phil, amazing. thank you so much for that, Phil Proctor. We greatly appreciate you taking the time with us. The Tom Bernard Show will take a break, and part two will be coming your way. With In Tom. my regards to Tom, will you? We will. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.